Hello, and welcome to The Gripe. This is Kai. And this is Allison. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Yeah. I finished up Heart of Dixie. Heart of Dixie. That's your, your palate cleanser Netflix show, right? Yes. And <laughs> I'm really into the fact that A, I finished it, because it was four seasons of pure fluff. Sometimes we need the fluff. Yeah. Three seasons were 22 episodes long, which is a lot to handle. Last season was only 10 episodes long. Uh. And it, you know, it had pretty people in it, and, and that's what I was into. Yeah, I'm into that. How are you doing? I'm doing good, doing good. This is our, our first episode of our podcast, The Gripe. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I am too. I was thinking and wondering how this came up to be, because I can't remember... Like, sitting down with you and saying, oh, we should do a podcast together. That never happened, right? No, that never happened. <laughs> you, at the beginning of the year, told me that you were working on a vision board with your girl. Uh-huh. And My girl, Crystal. Your girl, Crystal. And you had podcasts on there. And so I was pushing you to to do it. And I was like, you could do it in the mentor office. Like, we have so much space. And then all of a sudden, it was like I weaseled my way in there <laughs> and got up in there. Is that what happened? Probably. Like, Probably. if it was so subliminal and you didn't even notice, then I did a really good yeah, job. Yeah, you ninja'd it on me. <laughs> yeah. And I like that. The more the merrier, I, I say. <laughs> yeah, but I do eventually want to start uh, a yoga podcast. But today, we're working on our gripe. Oh, we have so many gripes. So many. Um, but yeah, what else is going on? Um, I don't know. I was trying to, like, weave the heart of Dixie into... Our hometown gripes. Oh, yeah. So... Because that's where we're starting. First episode, hometown gripes. Um, yeah. Heart of Dixie is what it's called. Heart of Dixie. Southerner state. Yep. It's basically... When I told you I was watching it and you asked me if it was one tree hill for Southerners, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nailed it. So, Heart of Dixie takes place in Alabama, and I'm from South Carolina, and I think that's also part of the reason why I liked it. You know, because there's some familiarity in there. Yeah, yeah, I heard lots of lots of twang. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about the South later. Let's talk about 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 Ukai. Yeah. So you know, we obviously live here in Seattle, um, but we're both not from here. I am from Minnesota, hometown of Minnesota, um, which I love. and so the topic I want to talk about with my gripe today is the Walker Art Center Sculpture Garden controversy. I can't even imagine a controversy at a sculpture garden. You would think that it'd be pretty benign, but um, actually something happened, and it's actually a very interesting story. Um, so in the summer of 2015, um, the Sculpture Garden closed for a two-year renovation. And the Sculpture Garden is owned by the Walker Art Center, um, both in Minneapolis, obviously. Um, and the Walker Art Center is just this amazing art space that's around for having these really high-caliber artists come in. Um, there's a performance space where dancers and choreographers can showcase their stuff. Um, and then behind the Walker Art Center physically is where the Sculpture Garden lives. So it's this sort of outdoor park, um, and it's filled with, with these sculptures obviously and so there's some iconic pieces like there's a the cherry and the spoon um sculpture there and um it's just a cool space and it's sort of like the where to go if you're visiting minneapolis like here it's pike's place market that's where you kind of 
tell people to go because it's the icon of, of Seattle. Um, and that's sort of the icon of, of Minneapolis. Um, so anyways, they closed for two years to do a $33 million renovation project. Wait, who was giving them $33 million? The Walkers? So I think, yeah, they, the Walk Art Center raises so much money. It's, it's, it's a thing. That's kind of crazy. It's crazy, yeah. But $33 million. So part of the renovation, part of it was to get rid of some of the sculptures that were there. Um, there was to rearrange some sculptures that, that were there. And then also to introduce new sculptures into the garden. Um, and so here's where the grant comes in. So the Walker Art Center commissioned a piece from an LA artist named Sam Durant. Durant, I'm not sure what his last name is. Um, but that piece is called Scaffold. Right. Sounds so menacing. it is that's that's kind of what this is about. So um, scaffold is a depiction of seven gallows that were used in U.S. executions through history. Right. That's deep. It's pretty deep. Um, one of the gallows used in this piece was the hanging structure in which thirty-eight Dakota men were hanged in Mankato, Minnesota, and this is after being convicted of rape and murder in the Dakota War of 1862. Um, so there's a huge Dakota population in Minneapolis, and they're a big part of the community. Um, what's kind of nuts is that this sculpture, you can see it from the road, the main road, I think it's Hampton Avenue. And so there were some Dakota people that, that saw this while it was being constructed, and they recognized it as being the gallows that their people were hung from. And it was just kind of awful. Um, another thing with, with that trial, where these 33 men were, were executed, was that they weren't given a fair trial. They were just convicted on a whim, you're guilty, and that's what led them to, to be hung. It's pretty awful. That sounds like some bullshit. It's some bullshit. Um, and that turns out to be, this is the largest mass execution in US history. So it's a really painful spot. Um, of Minnesota culture and more so in Dakota culture, right? Um, so there was just it was just kind of a mess, and um, there were protests that happened, saying, you know, this is not art; um, it's a hurtful piece, and that Dakota people were never a part of this conversation initially. So, and I totally hear that. Um, one of the horrible things that happened through this was that. You know, they showed up to protest, and they were met by anti-protesters as well. Um, and it got really ugly. Anti-protesters were saying, you can't take that away from us. That's our trophy. Like, they're proud that, you know, that this sort of racism created, you know, this horrible death and um, ugly mark in history. So it was just a really ugly thing. Um, but and the this positive- was, like, recent. This is very, yeah, this is probably still happening now. Um, I think it's been a couple of weeks since the finalization of what's happened. But the cool thing that's happened out of it is that the artist, Sam Durant, he came to have a conversation with the Walk Art Center and with the Dakota people. Um, and through their discussion, he sort of had a change of heart. So initially he walked in and he's really staunch about, you know, this is art, it's meant to provoke. Um, and so as he was speaking to the Dakota folks, 
he realized that it really was a painful thing, right? And it's a real thing. And, and his position began with, I'm not using actual people, so it's not, there's no way that this can hurt anyone. But, you know, the fact of the matter, it, it did hurt people. And he heard that. And um, by the end of the conversation, he agreed to dismantle the piece and give the rights, send the material over to the Dakota people, and they were going to destroy it in, in a ceremony. So it was kind of a beautiful thing that, that you know, they came to this consensus and um, a peaceful sort of parting. Um, so I guess my gripe is really with the Walker Art Center, because they really had a responsibility to, you know, the people of Minneapolis, to the Dakota people, and to this artist, Sam Durant, and they kind of dropped the ball on it, you know? like. Had everyone been part of the conversation to begin with, this mess wouldn't have occurred. Um, and part of the controversy, too, is that they're thinking that the artistic director knew it would cause this stir. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just have a, have a really bad taste in my mouth about that. I mean, that's what... That's what gets attention it these does. days. We're I, talking about it. That yeah. is how I'm pretty sure the president won the election <laughs> is by behaving badly and getting press. Yeah, that happened. This, this is, this is real. That was real. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my, my sort of hometown gripe. So I have so many questions. Yeah. One, if I don't like sculptures, do I just have nothing to do in Minneapolis? <laughs> There's plenty <laughs> to do in Minneapolis. That's just sort of the, one of the things that, um, you know, because, like, when I travel, I don't seek out sculpture <laughs> But it's it's a really cool thing, like, in the spring, and the summer, you want to be outside, and it's a really big space, so you can, like, kind of frolic, Okay. you know? Um, as, as one does. <laughs> as one does in, in an open space. Second question. My initial reaction when you were telling me this story is, well, the artist isn't going to take it down. Like, it, he might have yeah. caused a fuss. Right. But I don't think that that many artists back down from their work right yeah and there's so there there's like this issue of censorship in regard to this and um his stance on it there's an article that i read in the la times that he was speaking about is that censorship is a concept in which a more powerful group suppresses a smaller group and he said going into the situation everyone was on equal footing there was no one that that acted more powerful and that was more powerful. They were all equals having a conversation. And the reason why he chose to dismantle this piece is because um, the intent of his piece shifted, it changed. Um, so he did not feel like he was censored at all. Um, and this was sort of a, an agreement because his shift pers uh, pers perspective, shift perspective shifted. shifted, exactly. Well, fascinating. Yeah, so Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of frustrating because Minnesota is a really forward thinking, progressive place to be. And for this sort of oversight to happen, um, I can see why people got enraged about it. Enraged. Enraged. Yeah. It's a like rioting in the streets. <laughs> they were rioting. <laughs> so how long was it up before you took it down? It actually never opened. So they were supposed to Snap. They were supposed to open All right, do Um First or second week of June, and even before the sculpture garden reopened, they they dismembered the 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 gallows. Yeah. 
the scaffold. Okay, so yeah. you answer my questions. Yes. Um, being from the Midwest, and how do you think that's that shaped you and turned you into the Kai that I know and love most of the time? <laughs> um, how has growing up, growing up in Minnesota shaped me? It's like I said, you know, Minneapolis is a very progressive, forward-thinking place. So I feel like, um, you know, there's an open-mindedness that um, that has shaped me. Um, there's a sense of inclusion that has shaped me. Um, but at the same time, there was also an element of, even though those things existed and felt safe to be in Minnesota, there was still a sense of not belonging. Um, so part of my whole journey is is finding communities um, that, that I feel like are home. Um, and I'm figuring out more and more that it has nothing to do with with me being Asian and me being gay like those things are part of me but I don't seek those as my my community basis it, it goes a little deeper than that for me um, it was very artistic you know and I grew up um, wanting to, to be a dancer and a mover and so so that was kind of nurtured through the environment that I, I grew up in um, yeah so those are some of the ways that, that I, was shaped, I was shaped through living in Minnesota you know. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so many parallels with the uh, the progression and the forward thinking and the inclusion to where I was raised in South Carolina. Uh-huh. That's irony. <laughs> Tell me how. <laughs> uh, so, raised in South Carolina, lived there uh, until I graduated from college at 22 and then moved to, I made a big step. Mm-hmm. I moved to North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. Head of North. I had to cross that border. Yeah. Um, and I love the South so much. It's like where I was born and raised and I still have several best friends that live there and I get back at least a couple times a year. Um, I think everything is so cool except, except one thing. What's that? Racism. Mm. That's my gripe. Mine's a little bit broader than yours. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to, to share a story that is awful but also hilarious at the same time. Okay, I like I like the um, Go. more awful than hilarious. But I think the <laughs> hilarity comes from when you hear it, you're gonna be like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so you know me, because uh, I like I like to hustle. You like to hustle. Yeah, I like to think of my time as dollars, and I like to think of where those dollars are going to go. <laughs> so, You're trying to make that money. That's basically what I'm saying. Yes. Um, so when I was middle school, high school, I was like babysitting 24-7. Okay. And everybody in the neighborhood had my number, and I was like, fill my time taking care of them kids. So you were the babysitting queen of your neighborhood. Yes. Okay. And it was summer one year in Columbia, South Carolina, and I had this nine-to-five gig where I took care of three kids. Um, And that was my job. I mean, I was there every day. And um, so they gave my number out to a family in the neighborhood. Spreading the good word. Yeah, so I just want to be clear that it wasn't, like, friends of my family. It wasn't friends. uh, Yeah, it wasn't family friends. It was just, like... Here's Allison. She's a good babysitter. Call her. So this family calls me, and because my favorite phrase is, my money, less problems, <laughs> I took on another family. Right. I go over there to babysit, and 
walk into their living room and it's all like Civil War memorabilia in their living room. And uh-huh. that, like in the South, and I feel like in most places, your living room, like you don't actually use. It's one of those where it's like the fancy furniture uh-huh. and the heirlooms. Mm-hmm. And furniture wrapped in plastic wrap. Yes, you don't sit on it. You don't, nobody's allowed in there. It's white carpet, you know. Right. And so it's that type of deal. And it's all like Civil War relics and books and flags and mm. little statues and like weird stuff. So I, I walk in and I like, huh, well, that's different. Right. Because while I'm raised in the South and the Confederate flag flies, flew over the state house, they took it down when I was in college. But like, you know, that was a part of my, my growing up. However, right. that is not not normal I see. <laughs> in my friends' yeah. homes or or that kind of thing. So it's something that you see but that you're not Around engaged in. Totally. Right, right, right. Yeah. So because like if anytime I see a Confederate flag and this is just might be me being an ordiner, I sort of get, you know, I grip up sort of inside because there's so much connotation to it. Yes. So you walk in, you see it, and again, it's not like old hat. You've seen this before, but you're still thinking that it's, it's a like little a, strange. It's like an eye roll. It's like, ugh, mm-hmm. the, the, these people. Right, I see, know? I see. That and this, yeah. So I continue and go into the house. I'm like getting to know the kids. I'm checking out what kind of snacks they have that I'm going to eat later. <laughs> and then we proceed to do my favorite activity as a professional babysitter. Which is what? Watch TV. Watch TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's an easy way to entertain a child. That's not yours. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. So we walk into the den. We're chilling. I'm turning on, you know, it's daytime TV. It's the summertime. So it's basically like whatever is on like syndication. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm thinking Fresh Prince. Oh, God. Fresh Prince. <laughs> well, similar uh, Cosby show uh, popped up. I see. And, you know, everybody likes Cosby show. And this is... Before we knew what Bill Cosby was doing. He was doing something. He was doing things. Lots of things. And um, I'm like, cool, like, let's watch the Cosby show. And the, the youngest, those two kids, the, the youngest of the two said, um, we're not allowed to watch Cosby show. I'm like, what? That is crazy. Everyone watch Cosby show. This is like show. America's family. Yeah, yeah, completely. And she goes, my, my, I can't remember who she said. I don't want to pin it on the dad. It could have been mom. Um, won't let us watch TV shows with black people in it. What? Yeah. So basically, they couldn't watch any TV? Basically. I mean, if that was today, you couldn't watch any TV. Because there's black folks, Asian folks, Latin folks, in all of TV. In all of TV. I mean, it is still predominantly white. It, of course it is. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was so taken aback. And I didn't know what to say. I mean, I, I changed the channel. Because oh, what else are you going to do? I'm not right. going to sit there and make them watch the Cosby show. Um, <laughs> you should have tied them in a chair and made them watch it. <laughs> watch how this professional family is changing TV. Um, but yeah, that happened. And my my moral code would never... I just wasn't ever going to babysit for them again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I took their money. That once. That one time. And that's it. Yeah. And... I never went back, and you know, that was a shame because they had a pool. <laughs> <laughs> and Columbia is hot. It's hot, I'm sure. It's hot, boo. A pool can be helpful. Yeah, right? especially with kids. Yeah. Um, 
But you, know, you had your moral code. And to I stood by it. So they actually complained to the family that recommended me that I was never available to babysit for them. Mm. And I was like, because I don't babysit for racist assholes. And you didn't tell them that, though, did you? No, I didn't. Because yeah, yeah. I was like 15 of and course. I was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I still have a problem with that. And... Um, I mean, that particular story is horrible, but I feel like in the past, you know, 10 to 15 years, uh, we think we're making progress mm-hmm. and people are, are not, don't still have these ideals. Um, but then just in the past year, it's all bubbling up to the surface again right. and people are feeling brave and emboldened and to do horrible things, to do horrible things. Yeah. And I mean... I don't know, I've already shared this with you, but I was just in one of my favorite cities, Charleston, um, at the end of March and running the Cooper River Bridge run and I see these three racist assholes holding up like large Confederate flags, like the big kind, not mm-hmm. like the tiny kind that you wave at a Fourth of July parade, but right. like the big ones. And I'm just like, what in the actual fuck? Like it's 2017. This is a beautiful day. We are racing through the streets of downtown Charleston, and like, why bring that here? You know, because they're emboldened to do so now because of our little climate. Sadly, yeah, sadly, you know. Um, but so, there's so that had to have shaped the way you grew up, mm-hmm. and um, sort of your worldview of, you know. Of raising kids and being a mom, right? Yeah. So I feel super hashtag blessed to have parents that are progressive and, um, like, you know, the way you're describing Minnesota, like super inclusive and, you know, they, they raised me and my brother to, to not believe any of that Mm -hmm. crap, that we're all the same, we're all equal, we love everybody and... The world would be so boring if we were all the same. All the same, yeah. Um, so that that definitely shaped me. Um, but also, in making the move out to Seattle, um, it definitely... I, I didn't want Charlotte to grow up, my daughter, hearing you know, the N-word, which is something I heard when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing Confederate flags like beach towels and belt buckles like this is a thing bumper stickers right that's just it's not cool and it belongs in the past and uh and yeah and obviously something I failed to mention I didn't have a kid when I moved out here nor did I know that I was going to have a child one day but I was like if I do I want her to be raised in an environment um that is more indicative of what I believe and I always felt like a little bit of a fish out of water in the Mm -hmm. south like it's my home and I certainly wasn't an outcast. I had friends there and people that I go back and visit, um, but I always knew that I wasn't. That's just, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Right. It just wasn't me. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Got to find a new home. Home. Yeah, and I mean, moving to Seattle was probably that was one of the hardest things I've ever done, and I can't say that it was super easy at first. Mm-hmm. Um, because we'll talk about that Seattle freeze <laughs> in another episode. We sure will. <laughs> but it was easy for you when you moved out here. It was I, easy. But yeah. it, it took me like... Because of my, my dashing personality. No. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as a yoga instructor and already being kind of 
in that the yoga scene and having some friends that moved out that right. were already here when that they moved helped out here for me for sure yeah because yeah, I didn't yeah. know anybody yeah just had Aaron so your husband my husband mm-hmm. which I'm still looking for yep <laughs> we're gonna find him <laughs> <laughs> maybe somebody will be they're gonna email us at thegripepodcast at gmail.com to get your info <laughs> yeah so you know we're going to be airing our own gripes, obviously. Um, but if you have a gripe as well, please share it with us. Um, we love to hear your, your feedback, um, your gripes. And so do email us. Again, that's thegripepodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to our first, first episode. episode. Yeah. Um, more to come, for sure. More to come. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.